0: Why is study of Bible prophecy so vitally important? If we don't understand that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled in our lifetime on an exponential scale, we could tragically be deceived and miss out. We have to rightly divide to handle this word of truth and understand that God is changing times and seasons. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Darick. There are at least three main purposes for studying Bible prophecy. First of all, the study of Bible prophecy tends to engender hope. Nothing gives greater strength to our human spirit like faith and confidence in God's prophetic promises. Titus 2.13 promises that believers are looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Messiah second reason is that the study of Bible prophecy gives us perspective on how to live, how to maneuver in this world today. We don't need to despair about climate change or the ozone layer. The Apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3.11, since all these things are to be dissolved, what manner of people ought us to be in lives of holiness and godliness? We're waiting for a new heavens and a new earth In which dwells righteousness. So he who has the hope of the Lord's return keeps himself pure and makes himself ready. A third reason is that Bible prophecy proves God for a skeptical age. After all, Bible prophecy is history written in advance. Only God can bring to pass the fulfillment of his prophecies in this word. We've seen the nation of Israel resurrected in their lifetime and After the Holocaust, the Jews' hope was dried up. Many had believed nationhood would be impossible, especially after the Holocaust. But lo and behold, out of the ashes arose the new nation of Israel once again. As of this taping, Israel is now more than 3,000 years old and yet 73 years young. God says, I declare these things to you from of old before they come to pass, I announce them to you." But let's not be deceived into thinking that Israel is 73 years young, because according to Jesus' fig tree prophecy in Psalm 90, verse 10, the new nation of Israel is actually quite ancient. The generation that saw the fig tree blossom will see the culmination of all things and the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. As Bible believers, we must exhibit the same mindset as Daniel 2.21 that says God controls human events. He changes times and seasons. He gives rulers their power and also deposes them. And he's the source of all wisdom and knowledge, not the new religion of scientism. Well, the Lord is at hand. For many years, I've been musing on Jesus' parable of the fig tree, which is the only parable that he specifically instructed us to learn. The fig tree is one of the Bible idioms for the nation of Israel. And in the providence of God, recently my one-year Bible combined the parable of the fig tree with Moses' Psalm 90 concerning the generations. In verse 10 of Psalm 90, we're told that, generally speaking, our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 years. Even after thousands of years since Moses wrote that psalm, 70 to 80 years is still about the average lifespan in many nations today. The fig tree parable reveals that the generation witnessing the blossoming again of the fig tree, the nation of Israel, will also see the Lord's second coming. Neither I nor my Bible scholar friends would be so foolish as to set a date for the rapture, the catching away of the church as described in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, because no man knows the day or the hour. On the other hand, Scripture assures us that we will know the general season, and the Bible promises that wide-awake believers won't be caught unawares like the rest of the world, but will be faithfully watching for the glorious appearance of our Lord and Savior. Paul said, but you brethren are not in the dark so that that day will overtake you as a thief. Now the length of a generation in Psalm 90 is 70 to 80 years. And my purpose in mentioning this is to create awareness of the lateness of the hour concerning the closing of the church age, the rapture and the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. This year on the Hebrew calendar, We have already celebrated Israel's Independence Day. Israel's better known Independence Day, the 14th of May, 1948, is based upon the Gregorian calendar. So if you add 80 years for the length of a generation to 1948, there's not a lot of time left for this generation until the Lord returns, unless God decides to max out the definition of a generation for us. In fact, 120 is the maximum number of years for a generation, according to a verse in the Torah, Genesis 6-3. In that verse, the Lord said, My spirit will not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. So whether the last generation is 80 years or the maximum 120 years, Time is growing short. Human history won't last forever. And a lot of believers are not connecting the dots. Certainly many aren't even anticipating the Lord's return at all. Now, as the Apostle Paul admonished in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, it's so important for believers to study to show ourselves approved to God as we rightly divide this word of truth. Oh, this word divide here in the King James Bible is remarkable. Some translations, including the Septuagint and the Vulgate, render this phrase as rightly handling the word, and that's very well said. But the actual word that's rendered divide here literally means to cut or to separate. And so perhaps Paul was thinking as the rabbi that he was when he used the word divide. The commentary suggests that Paul was envisioning how the Levitical priest would carefully divide the sacrificial offerings. The overall implication is dissection. So Paul was instructing his protege Timothy to divide the word, not to twist or torture it, but to comprehend it accurately as one taught of God in order to teach others. We must be able to dissect this word to find one important piece here and another there, to pull biblical thoughts together with clarity because the Bible is its own best commentary. If you want to explain a verse, you can find another verse elsewhere in the Bible to explain it. So we should be well-versed in the Scriptures, able to handle the Scriptures adroitly and make cross-references or gather verses according to topics and doctrines and so forth. We should know which scriptures are relevant to any given topic and which are not pertinent to a topic at hand. Now, the best example I can think of is Jesus in the Nazareth synagogue when he divided a portion of Isaiah chapter 61. The Gospel of Luke chapter 4 records that when Jesus was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah on the Sabbath day, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. But before finishing that passage, he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Then he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. What was going on here? Jesus didn't read all of the passage, but he said that day part of it was fulfilled. So by examining Isaiah chapter 61, we find that Jesus read the first verse and then abruptly finished reading in the middle of the second verse. He read aloud as far as to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But he didn't go on to read the rest of the passage and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. The remainder that Jesus did not read speaks of both the destruction and the eventual blessings that will come to the land of Israel. So much time in history is compressed into this short passage, but he stopped before reading the tiny connecting word and, and the day of vengeance of our God. It turns out that that tiny single letter word in Hebrew and represents a very large gap between the first and second comings of Jesus. Verse 1 of Isaiah 61 described the Lord's first coming, but he knew how to rightly divide or separate this word of truth regarding his second coming. Now then, consider another great gap in Bible prophecy. Talk about rightly dividing the word of truth. It's in the ninth chapter of Daniel, which has been called the backbone of prophecy. Daniel chapter 9 tells us that 77s are determined, or literally cut off, from the entire period of time. In other words, there's a specific time period regarding the Jews and their history that has been carved out by God. It's perhaps the most important and definitive prophecy in this Hebrew Bible. In Daniel 9.24, the angel Gabriel informed Daniel that following the Jews' Babylonian captivity, 70 weeks, or literally 77s, equaling 490 years, were decreed for his people Israel and the holy city Jerusalem to stop their transgression, to put an end to sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So, at the conclusion of the 490 years carved out by God, Gabriel was prophesying that Israel's transgression will be finished and their sins will be brought to an end because their Messiah will have made reconciliation or atonement for iniquity, having been cut off. The long period of Israel's sufferings under the heel of the Gentiles would be completed at the end of this period, and everlasting righteousness will be brought into Messiah's kingdom. But here's the dividing of God's Word. Interestingly, in verse 24, there's a division given within the time frame. The angel Gabriel said, From the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be a time period amounting to 69 weeks, not 70 weeks. In other words, 483 years, not the full 490 years. For some reason, the angel separated the 70th last week of seven years to be fulfilled later. And why? Because Israel did not recognize their Messiah in the time of visitation by him. They did not acknowledge Him as the Lamb of God. Everlasting righteousness was not brought in. And so, has the prophecy failed? Absolutely not. God forbid the prophecy has been on hold for nearly 2,000 years during the mystery church age. In my studies over the years, many well-grounded Bible scholars have pointed out that Between Israel's 69th and 70th weeks, there is a great gap, and we're living in that gap right now. However, in the last seven years, in Israel's final 70th week that's been carved out by God, a world ruler known as the anti-Messiah will make a covenant with Israel for seven years, promising peace and security. But Daniel 9.27 also reveals that in the midst of those seven years, the anti-messiah will violate the covenant and his true wicked character will be revealed. He will be unmasked and Israel will realize that they have been temporarily receiving into their midst the ultimate false messiah. So if we correctly divide the word of truth, we must see that the scriptural pre-tribulation rapture The catching away of the completed church happens before Daniel's 70th and final week because the church is not part of the 70 weeks that were decreed upon Israel and that were cut out of time specifically for the Jewish people and their redemption. By then, the church will be a completed mystery. And many ask, well, won't the church escape the great tribulation or will they be part of the tribulation of daniel's last 70th week well in luke 21 36 jesus told his church that we should pray to escape the coming horrors of that time period nevertheless the church's testimony has always been one of tribulation we can't escape that jesus forewarned us in john sixteen thirty-three that in the world we'll have tribulation but he said take heart I've overcome the world. Also, the Apostle Paul testified to believers in Acts 14.22 that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. However, our trials and tribulations are to be distinguished from the great tribulation, a time that's going to be unprecedented trouble after the rapture of the church when God will deal in wrath with rebel nations and when he will protect and redeem his people Israel. Now, if we rightly handle or divide this word of truth, we can find this teaching elsewhere in the Bible, because remember, the Bible is its own best commentary. For example, let's consider Hosea chapter 3 and verse 4, which declares, The children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince, without a sacrifice, an altar, and objects of reverence. Then in the next verse, Hosea 3, 5, we read afterward, that is, after the long gap during which the Israelites and the Jews have wandered the earth in the diaspora, and after the mystery church age, afterward the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. Seeking David their king is an idiom for seeking the Messiah, and they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. This great gap is also described in Hosea chapter 5 and verse 15, where God says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. This verse was literally fulfilled when the risen Lord Jesus ascended from earth to heaven. I will go and return to my place until they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. For nearly 2,000 years, Jesus, Yeshua is his Hebrew name, has been seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he's being retained there until Israel recognizes their offense of rejecting him and summons him with Rukhaba and Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and calls upon him in repentance. Hosea 5.15, in fact, lines up with Acts 3.21, which says, Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore all things as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. In the meantime, Jesus has also been preparing a place in his father's house, many rooms for his bride, the church, from the nations. But as 1 Thessalonians 4.17 teaches, as soon as the dead and the living members of his mystical body are called up in the atmosphere to be forever with the Lord, then Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1 will come to life. In this verse, Israel will say, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten, but He will bind us up. After two days, He will revive us. In the third day, He will raise us up, and we shall live in His sight. So after two days, He will revive us means that after 2,000 years, Israel will be revived. How do we calculate that? By rightly dividing this Word of God and understanding 2 Peter 2.8, a very important verse. In that verse, Peter admonished us, but don't forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. So all this time during the great gap, while Israel's final 70th week has been put on hold, on pause, Jesus has been building his church for two days or 2,000 years until the fullness of the Gentiles overflows into Messiah's mystical body called the church. Therefore, theologians say, the church is something like a holy parenthesis, and it was a mystery hidden in God prior to the coming of Messiah. But after Israel had temporarily rejected their Messiah, Jesus said he would build his church consisting of any Jew or Gentile who put their faith in him. And this revelation of the church was also revealed to the Apostle Paul. In Ephesians 2.15, Paul called the church the one new man of Jews and Gentiles grafted together in God's family tree. Now, to help explain all of this visually, there's also an interesting long gap on the calendar between Israel's springtime Levitical Feast of the Lord and the Levitical Feasts that occur in the fall. After the first four spring festivals, there are no more set times until the seventh month, and then there are three final feasts that follow one another in quick succession. All seven of the festivals of the Lord particularly concern God's dealings with the nation of Israel, and the long interval between the spring and autumn festivals is an approximate period of five months in which there are no special set times. This great gap represents a parenthesis in God's prophetic plan. This big gap represents the mystery church age in which there are no festivals. It was hidden in God. The first set of Hebrew feasts corresponds to the Lord's first coming Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Shavuot, or Pentecost. And the second set of Jewish festivals in the fall pertain to the Lord's second coming, trumpets, Day of Atonement, and tabernacles. At His first coming, Jesus fulfilled Passover as the Lamb of God, and at His second coming, He will fulfill the Day of Atonement when Israel recognizes Him as Messiah. So when starting to read Isaiah 61, the Lord understood that He would be rejected the first time, He understood the mystery of the church and the great gap between the festivals, and that's why he stopped reading when he did in the synagogue, that Sabbath in Nazareth. He only read the part that pertained to his first coming. He knew there would be a big gap between Israel's initial rejection of Messiah and the prophesied regathering of the Jewish people to the land of Israel and their ultimate redemption in the last days a regathering which you and I have been privileged to witness in our generation. In God's foreknowledge, this long gap has been the church age. But tragically, many in the church are still misinformed. Many still don't understand the times. Many wrongly think that God is finished with the Jewish people. But Israel's rejection of Messiah is only temporary, and God will take his finger, as it were, off the pause button And Israel will be reactivated and redeemed at the Lord's second coming and at the time of Israel's 70th week. Then Israel will become the chief of the nations with Jerusalem as the Lord's capital city. That's why we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. God is not finished with Israel. He also has a vision for the entire region in Isaiah chapter 19 that I've spoken about in many other videos. So Bible prophecy must not be ignored, as unfortunately it's being ignored in many pulpits right now, when it should be urgently discovered and studied. I'm eternally grateful for men of God in past generations who clearly saw the end-time scenario, and even though they weren't eyewitnesses of Bible prophecy like we are, nevertheless, many of them more accurately foretold the Bible's end-time scenario than many preachers today who obscure or deny the truth. Paul warned in 2 Thessalonians 2 that people will perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved, and therefore for this cause God will send upon them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. It's often mentioned by eschatologists that the Hebrew prophets prophesied the overall whole picture, and this can be likened to a man looking toward a great range of mountains. From a distance, The prophet didn't necessarily see the valley between the two mountain peaks, which can be quite a long distance. In the imagery of Bible commentator Henry Ironside, imagine for a moment a cross planted on the first peak to represent the vision in the Hebrew Bible of the suffering Messiah who died to make atonement for our sins. Then imagine a glorious crown atop a second mountain peak representing the second coming of Jesus to reign in power and glory. But the prophets didn't perceive the time distance between the two mountain peaks. The chronological periods in the Hebrew Bible all pertain to God's earthly people, Israel. And therefore, the Feast of the Lord all pertain to events concerning the first and second comings of Israel's Messiah. And meanwhile, the church is the mystery in between, which had been hidden in God from before the foundation of the world. But now it's made manifest for the obedience of faith among all nations the hidden period of time between the first and second comings of messiah between the two mountain peaks has lasted for nearly two millennia well in the last chapter of the book of daniel chapter 12 we read that the lord said go thy way daniel for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end but the wise shall understand so let's be wise We're living in a time of unprecedented revelation, a time when many puzzling scriptures will be unsealed. But despite the exponential increase in knowledge, unless we can handle this one book, God's Word we will never be able to come to the knowledge of the truth. As always, I urge you to call upon the Lord for salvation, healing, and deliverance while there's yet time. There's more to share with you at our exploits.tv website, where you can watch our free video library and read news of in-time events. Our ministry is called Exploits, based upon Daniel eleven thirty-two, declaring the people who know God will be strong and do exploits. Let's connect on social media, and don't forget to download our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app so you can watch our videos on your phones or tablets. The grace of the Lord be with you, and until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. Maranatha, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm Christine Dark. Shalom.